0: Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 21, how Hagar found herself in a desert that was going to kill her, but God saved Hagar by bringing her to a well of water in the desert, and how we have a well of water in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this message is available at friendshipwithgod.org for free listening and download, friendshipwithgod.org, or also available at itunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, if you're enjoying Tom Cantor's teaching on friendship with God as you're driving or listening from home or downloading and listening to these messages on the go and you're growing in the knowledge of God and your walk with God, We'd like you to start or continue supporting this Old Testament Bible teaching radio program. Now, many don't teach on the Old Testament, but Tom Cantor's ability to communicate the Old Testament in modern day expressions is amazing, and he's a master teacher, empowering and encouraging Christians as well as teaching the lost Jewish people about their God and Messiah. So, if you enjoy the Friendship with God radio program and the teachings of Tom Cantor, we want to encourage you to become a monthly supporter or even a one time supporter of this Bible teaching radio program. And for a gift of any amount, we'll send you Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD and in a booklet form for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. To get your life story testimony of Tom Cantor in a booklet form and a DVD, we'll send that to you for supporting the Friendship with God radio program. Just call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Support the Friendship with God radio program staying on the air on this station in your city and receive Tom Cantor's Life Story on DVD and in a booklet form. Again, you can call us and support us at 800-247-3051, or you can go online to donate at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. We hope to hear from you. Now, here's Tom Cantor teaching us today from Genesis chapter 21 how Hagar found herself in a desert that was going to kill her. And then God saved Hagar by bringing her to a well of water in the desert. And we'll learn how we have a well of water in the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Okay, let's uh, let's begin with prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. What a great word this is because you're a great God. And Lord, we're in great need this morning. And so we pray, meet our needs through your Bible this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 21, verse 14. A little bit of review here as we read Genesis chapter 21, verse 14. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, and the child, and, and took with her the child. And she sent, and sent her away, and he, she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba seven wells, or, or a, well, a well of an oath. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat her down over against him a good way off, as it were a bow shot, in other words, from an archer. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. For she sat over against him, lifted up her voice, and wept. And God, Elohim, heard the voice of the lad. And the angel of God, Elohim, called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God, Elohim, hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the the bottle with water, and gave the lad drink, and God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness, and became an archer, or a mighty archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, And his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, which means mouth of all, or in other words, someone who commands everybody, the chief captain of his host, or the general, spake unto Abraham, saying, God, or Elohim, is with thee in all that thou doest. Now therefore swear unto me here by God, or Elohim, that thou wilt not deal falsely, or injure me by deceit, with me Uh, nor with my son, nor with my son's sons, but, or rather, according to the kindness, or truth, that I have done unto thee, that thou shalt do unto me, and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. And Abraham reproved Abimelech. In other words, he brought a charge against him. Because, or in other words, in the case, of a well of water, which Abimelech's servants had violently taken away. And Abimelech said, I what not. In other words, or I have not known. Who had done this thing? Neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard of it but today. Uh, And uh, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, that they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. Wherefore he called the name of the place Beersheba, because there they, made, they swear both of them. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, for then Abimelech rose up, and Phakol, the chief captain of his host, and they returned to the land of the Philistines, and Abraham planted a grove, or tamarisk t- trees, in Beersheba, and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, and Abraham sojourned in the Philistines' land many days." Okay, so in our study in the book of Genesis, what we've been doing is we've been focusing on, obviously, the main character in this section of chapters is is Abraham. Abraham is the main character. God calls Abraham my friend. That's the title he gives him in Isaiah 41.8, where he says, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, who I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. So that's a great title that God gives to Abraham. But during our study here of God's friend, as we'll call him, Abraham. we've seen how another character has come into the scene, Hagar, and how God met Hagar, or or, or we should say how Hagar met God, and how she got, as a result of that uh, association with Abraham, she got a life with God. And so during our study here, we've seen this, and Hagar, we saw, was a lost Egyptian, and she became a part of Abraham's household as a bondservant, And because of her association with Abraham, she meets God. And she gets her own life with God. And that's a very important scene for us to see Hagar here meeting God, getting her own life with God as a result of knowing Abraham. It didn't happen. It wouldn't have happened unless she knew Abraham. And when we see that, we say to ourselves, we're Abraham. We're like Abraham. And the question before us is, who are the Hagar's? Who are the Hagar's who, as a result of knowing us, have met God and gotten their own personal life with God? And what Abraham did and how he influenced Hagar is really a theme here, and the result of how she meets God, how she gets her own personal life with God, it's a theme. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to in Matthew 5, 13 through 15, when he said, you are, not Abraham, but he said, you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt, but if the salt has lost its savor, its saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out, to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So we see here, Hagar meets God. Hagar gets her own life with God. Why? Because Abraham was salt to Hagar, doing what salt does, stopping the putrefying corruption of the sin in her life. Abraham was a light to Hagar, doing what light does, dispelling or stopping the darkness of her, of her life in Egypt or without God. So this picture of Abraham and his influence on Hagar and how she's resulted and she meets God, she gets her own life with God, it puts this challenging question to us, where are our Hagar's? And challenges us because if our influence on others is not resulting in them eventually meeting God, getting a life with God, then we have to ask the question, well, maybe our salt is all gone. And that's a bad situation. Now, as we look at verse 19, there's a very interesting title that we can put over this verse that's fascinating. And it's the title of a well of water in the desert. A well of water in the desert. We could put that title over verse 19 because we saw how Hagar, she finds herself in the desert. That's the desert that's gonna kill her. That's the desert that is killing her. And then God saves Hagar by bringing her into this verse 19 to a well of water in the desert. And God didn't. So what's interesting here is that Hagar was saved, and God did not save her by removing her from the desert. But God opens her eyes, and she sees in verse 19, and she comes to this well of water in the desert. And Hagar thought, you know, I'm sure she thought like this, my only hope to survive is if God removes me, like he did the last time, removes me from this desert. But God decided not to remove Hagar from the desert. Instead, in verse 19, God provides for Hagar a well of water in the desert. And sometimes we look at at a life situation that we're in, and like, like Hagar, we say, this is impossible. We cannot survive in this situation. And so we would say with Hagar, I'm dying in the desert, I'm suffocating in this desert, I can't stand it any longer. The only way for me to survive is that God must remove me from this desert. I'm dying with this health problem. I'm suffocating with this health problem. I can't stand it any longer. God must remove me from the desert of this health problem. I'm dying with this job and with this boss. I'm sure that's what a lot of my employees say. I'm suffocating in this job with this boss. I can't stand it any longer. God must remove me from the desert of my boss and and my job here. I'm dying in this marriage. I'm suffocating in this marriage. I can't stand it any longer. God must remove me from the desert of my marriage. And just as God did with Hagar, God did not remove Hagar from the desert, but God provided for her in verse 19, a well of water in the desert. So Hagar was able to live in the desert because of God's provision of a well of water in the desert. And God doesn't remove us from the desert, to but instead... He brings us to the provision of verse 19, this well of water in the desert, and we're able to live in the desert in our health problem with a well of water in the desert. And he doesn't remove us from the job and the boss, and we're able, he brings us instead, verse 19, to a well of water in the desert. We're able to live there. And then same with the marriage and and, and, and so forth. So what's the well of water in the desert for us? Well, it's not a what. It's not a what is a well of water, it's a who. Our well of water in the desert is the Lord Jesus Christ. Which is what he said in John seven thirty seven when he says, He stood, says Jesus stood, he cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If any man thirst, see the words, thirst, come, drink. That's the key. And he says in John 4.14 to the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst thirst again, but whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John 6.35 where he said, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So how is the Lord Jesus Christ, our well of water in the desert? Because of what he said in John six sixty three, when he said, the words. It's the words. The words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. In the Bible, we discover this, that, that we discover him speaking to us. His words speak to us. This is what David meant when he said in Psalm 130, verse 5, I wait for the Lord... My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. See, the verse is telling us that we're waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ, our soul is waiting for him, and it's in his word that we hope. We're looking in the Bible with the hope of finding him, and we do. So, this section here that we're just just passing through, which is verses 14 through 21, is the last section in the Bible about Hagar. This is it. When 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 we're, we're getting ready now to say farewell, goodbye to Hagar, in verse 21, we're going to leave Hagar, and we're not going to see her again until we get to heaven. And then you can ask her for what happened in between. But we step back here, and we look at the life of Hagar. And what we've seen so far is a young, attractive Egyptian lady who had a lot of attitude. This was, this was one gutsy lady. Uh, she had a lot of sass about her, To, to, to the, the, the audacity of her to think of using her position as the provider of Abraham's son as a basis for her to despise uh, Sarah. Now, this was one gutsy lady. She had a lot of sass. But we watched how God loved Hagar and didn't let her hang on to her baggage of this proud attitude, and so we watched how God caused Hagar to be cast out into the desert twice. Took a couple of therapies, but it finally works, <laughs> and how this removed from Hagar the pride that was in her, the attitude, the sass, the the, the and, and she came out as we saw in the first step there when she met God, and and she came out and and she just she had this this burning in her where to. I must have God. She had the I must have God attitude. And and that's what we've seen here. And no one is going to meet God and have a life with God unless they come to the Hagar place of I must have God. They have to. We, and that's what God meant when he said this to the Jewish people in Jeremiah 29:13, when he said 29:13 he said you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with what? all your heart. See, that verse has a promise. It says, you'll seek me and you'll find me. But that verse has a qualifier. And that qualifier talks about the level of the heart there, so to speak, uh, the level of the heart that's seeking God. That's the and it's a, it, with all your heart. See, it's the with all your heart seeking that finds God. And when a person says, It's a really nice day today, and beautiful clouds, and sky, and sun, and birds singing. I'm interested in God, you know. That's not the Jeremiah 29, 13, seeking God with all your heart, and that person doesn't find God. Or if a person says, well, you know, I feel something, a a, a little emptiness, you know, I, I need to go to someplace on Easter and Christmas so that the neighbors don't look at me in the yard when they drive away. And so, you know, I'd like God. That's not the 29. That's not the Jeremiah 29.13. Seeking God with all your heart. That person won't find God. And when a person says, well, I want God. That's not the Jeremiah 29.13 seeking God with all your heart. That person doesn't find God. Or if even a person says, well, I need God. That's not the same as the Jeremiah 29.13. But if a person says, I must have God. That's the Jeremiah 29.13 seeking God with all the heart. That person finds God. And so it's very, very interesting here because the verb that describes the seeking God is so important here. It's a seeking God with all the heart, seeking God, looking for him. And for Hagar, there there was just nothing like being lost with your son in a blistering hot desert on the verge of death by dehydration to bring a person to the Jeremiah 29, 13, seeking God with all your heart. Hopefully it doesn't have to happen with everybody. But that's what happened to Hagar. That's what you got. God humbled Hagar in the desert and brought her to the place where she learned this lesson. As we said last week, she didn't need anything in life but God. If she had God, she had everything. She, never, she came out of the desert saying, I just must have God. Not I must have God plus. And if you ask Hagar about her experience in the desert, you said, you said Hagar, was it worth it? In a heartbeat, she'd answer, you bet it was. Because I went into the desert thinking that I needed God plus the security of Abraham's tent, and I came out of the desert knowing that I needed God plus nothing. And she came out of this desert experiences with the knowledge that God was keeping his eye on her. She knew that. She knew that God was keeping his eye on her, and when she came out of the desert, she came out with a life resolve that she was going to keep her eye on God. And that's what she meant when she, in Genesis 16, 13, when she says she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou, God, seest me. And she said, Have I also here looked after him that seest me. But now, for Hagar, after the desert, life was all about God. And life was all about how Hagar could exalt God. And because she met God and she got her own personal life with God, and she wanted, and, and that changed her. And that's the most important history in the life of Hagar. And that's the most important history in the life of anyone. It's the history of how they met God and how they got a personal life with God. That's all that matters. And we've been studying here the history of Hagar and God and, and the life of Hagar with God, which is, which, which is the most important history here. But before we leave Hagar, is a very, inter- very important picture that we see in verse 19. And God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water. She went, filled the water- bottle with water, and gave the lad to drink. See, this picture develops for us when we extract out of verse 19 the verbs. What are the verbs in verse 19? Opened, saw, went, filled, gave. So, what was opened? In verse 19, her eyes were opened. Okay, who opened her eyes? God did. Okay, and what did Hagar see when she opened her eyes? She saw a well of water. And what did Hagar do when she opened her eyes and, and saw the well of water? She went to it. what did Hagar do when she went What did, what did Hagar do when God opened her eyes? She saw the well. She saw the well of water and, and, and went to it, filled the bottle. What did Hagar do when, she, when God opened her eyes? She saw the well of water. She, Went to it, filled the bottle. You guys, okay, I feel like singing hot god, yo, hot god, yo. (laughs) All right, she gave Ishmael drink. Okay. So those verbs describe for us in a wonderful picture our relationship to the Bible. When we open the Bible, we don't just sit down and say, okay, it's a nice evening now, fire's going to the fireplace, got a nice hot cup of something, and now I'm I'm interested in being entertained a little bit, so I'm gonna go read the Bible. Or i think I'll, I think i 'll go read an interesting history in the Bible and, and you know like you sit down with the good book we don 't come that way to the Bible. We come to the Bible with the jeremiah twenty nine thirteen attitude of seeking God with all the heart, and that's what Ab- that, that, that's what ha- we see here with Hagar in verse sixteen when it says, she lift up her voice and wept, boy she was she had that 's the jeremiah twenty nine thirteen attitude seeking God with all her heart. And that's what we do when we come to the Bible. Then the first verb that we see, first verb in verse 19, is the open the eyes. That's the open the eyes experience that happens to us. God opens our eyes, which is, which is why we pray with David from Psalm 119, 18. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Then the second verb of verse 19 is important. She saw... A well of water. And that happens to us. We see something we never saw before in the Bible, or we get impressed with something that we did see before, but now we're really impressed with it. And so we see this truth in the Bible, and God has opened our eyes to see it. We realize that our eyes were closed to this truth, or we weren't impressed with it, and God has now opened up our eyes with it. And we also realize that what God has opened our eyes to is it got the potential to quench our thirst, it's like a well of water in the desert. So like Hagar, we understand that what God has opened our eyes to is just what we need, just what our thirsty souls need. It has the potential. And that's a beautiful picture that we see there of the opening of the eyes when the Lord Jesus Christ opened the eyes of two blind men in Matthew nine twenty-seven through 30 when it says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou, son of David, have mercy on us. And he was come into the house. The blind man came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. See, the, here were two men, probably born uh, uh, blind, born blind like the man in John 9. And, and they have the, therefore, they have the Jeremiah 29, 13 attitude, seeking God with all their heart, crying out, Son of David, have mercy on us. Then it says, he, op- he touches their eyes. He opens their eyes. Their eyes were opened. And then it says immediately, and Jesus straightly charged them. So in other words, when their eyes were opened, the first thing they see, the first person they see is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's right there. He's just opened their eyes And he sees, and they see him.
0: Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. We hope you enjoyed Tom Cantor's teaching today from the book of Genesis. Tom Cantor has other materials that are available also at friendshipwithgod.org, at our online bookstore, again at friendshipwithgod.org. Our resource of the month that Tom Cantor is offering, his book called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism. And this book by Tom Cantor and this teaching will help you to understand what is fatalism or what is Calvinism or what is fatalistic Calvinism. And Tom Cantor will teach us, can a person resist God's will? And what are chosen and changed children according to the Bible? And did God predestinate or foreordain or allow people to just be created to die and go to hell? Now, this book from Tom Cantor called Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism will show us that we are all faced with a personal crisis of obedience, just as other people in the Bible were, like Joseph and even Eve. They both faced crises of obedience, and this book examines the character of God and His promises and compares them with the fatalistic teachings of Calvinism and provokes us with the question, what if God misled us or lied to us and didn't mean all or whosoever will? Or that for God so loved the world, Tom Cantor will teach us what the Bible says truly about this topic. And the most eye-opening part of this book, called Whosoever Will versus Fatalism, is that Tom Cantor himself was once a believer in fatalism, and he was a fatalistic Calvinist. Now, if you'd like a copy of this book called Whosoever Will versus Fatalism from Tom Cantor, call us right now at eight 800- hundred. It's our resource of the month It's our last week We're offering this At 800-247-3051 For a donation of $20 or more We'll send you this book Whosoever Will Versus Fatalism By Tom Cantor And again you'll be Supporting this Bible teaching radio program And don't forget, you can also find free resources and materials online at friendshipwithgod.org, including signing up to send a free gift to a lost Jewish person that you know, as Tom Cantor's Jewish has a heart for the Jewish people through his ministry, Israel Restoration Ministries. So sign up to send a lost Jewish person a free gift at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Or again, go online to sign up for free gifts and materials at friendshipwithgod.org.